0: Franklin publisher of CapsCorner.com coming to you live from the place of Franklin Estates in the west end of Richmond, where it is Tuesday, March the 26th. Virginia on to Louisville for the Sweet 16 and potentially Elite 8. We will discuss the win over Gardner Webb, the win over Oklahoma, the matchup with um, Oregon on Thursday night late. Thank you, CBS uh, and NCAA Tournament Gods. And uh, said no one ever. Uh, my apologies if I sound a little bit un- under the weather, uh, spring has sprung so the allergies are, are kicking my butt um, I also got like maybe two and a half hours of sleep so I'm lucky that I even know that we have a podcast um, Let's go around and introduce everybody, we can get started talking about um, a plethora of basketball games uh, Up in Fishersville, David Spence is on the show, how are you my friend?
1: Hey, it's spring break up here Sporting goods are flying out the shop. I could be, I could be worse. Who days on the board? At who days on Twitter?
0: <laughs> you started talking. I was like, oh man, that sounds super depressing. The spring break up there, <laughs> uh, up in Arlington. Staff writer Justin Ferber made it back from Tahoe in one piece. Apparently, did not lose his shirt in the process. How are you, my friend?
2: I didn't lose my shirt, but I did lose some money, um, and uh, that's to be expected, I guess. But you know, sometimes the the more you know about college basketball, the the more you don't know about gambling on it. <laughs> so. But I'm back um, at Justin underscore for, for on Twitter. Is that is that right?
0: I think so. I think so. Cavs corner also yeah. on Twitter. Cavs underscore corner. Great place for the in game updates, content items, and the occasional witty banter. You know, it's a shame that in 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 casinos you can't bet on things like what time the games are going to be or what TV station they're going to be on. I would kill that. You would kill. Yeah. Like you have a you have a uh, a rep that far um, that, that reaches far beyond your own uh, imagination. There were several people in. Columbia, who who are very unhappy with you, who hate you, one of them actually texted me and said, I hate Ferber, um, because you ended up being right, calling the, the late tip on Sunday night. Um, and then I've already gotten one text message from a media member who will not be named, Damon Dillman, asking what you thought the tip time would be in a potential Elite 8 game on Saturday, to which you responded, I believe you said six or... 830?
2: Yeah, and 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 honestly, a lot of this stuff is just looking it up or figuring it out. I'm not some kind of like savant, or and I don't have sources because people are asking me like, do you know something? And I was like, nah. The reason is there. There, I'll tell you how I came up with 7:45. They have three SEC or CBS exclusive windows on Sunday or Saturday or yeah, it was Sunday. Sunday. I'm losing track of time. Um, and so they always do one. Uh location back to back at noon or whatever and then right after. Um, and then there's a five fifteen game, which is like their prime time game. And I was like, it'll probably be Duke in that spot because it's Duke and Duke gets the rating. So they're gonna put Duke there. Nance is there. And the UVA game would have to be after that. And if you do the math, it's seven forty five. And that's how I got there. But yeah, the Elite Eight games are six and eight thirty. Um I have no idea which one UVA would be in if they win on Thursday just because it depends on what the other game is and who UVA's is playing and all that stuff. So I don't really think there's any way to know
0: that at this point. Um, I don't think you're supposed to like tell people how you do the, the amazing things. You just like explain yeah. to people all your secrets. It's, it's not magicians it's not aren't supposed to tell the, to, to how fo- tell folks how you do it.
2: Yeah, it's not it's not overly complicated, but you know, you just have to kind of understand. But I mean, I did know that going into the the weekend what the times would be, so I got that much down.
0: Well, let's uh let's talk about some of the games um um that that actually have happened, not necessarily the ones that potentially could be on TV on Saturday night. Um what I came away from the Garner webb game I, not necessarily thinking Virginia was going to like roll from here to national championship by any means. Although that, you know, if, I mean, that would be certainly be great for my business. Um I came away from it thinking that somewhere in that first half, maybe the under 8 may, Maybe the, that seven, I think it was 744 when they called that timeout. That somewhere in there, there was an exhale. And I don't know if it was one specific shot. I don't know if it was a series of possessions or what, but they started to play like themselves. They carried that into halftime and then they rolled. I don't know if you can say that everything is different, but they just do seem different. Um, what did you guys think, Dave? I
1: mean, look, that whole experience was a whole bunch of suck. Um, I was at work and, you know, like I was already mad at the tip time because it's right during like peak hours. So I maybe got to look at 30 seconds of the first half of that game. And the second time I looked at it, it was 30 to 14 Gardner-Webb. And I had no clue how we had kind of gotten there other than kind of piecing together text messages and everything else. So my anxiety level and my mood was had gone from like, you know, I was a little on the edge as the game started. Then i got busy you know I, fi- I figured when i checked in on things it would be okay and now it was like worst case scenario <laughs> um so the amount of like I-, I wish there was a way to quantify or show other people your internal angriness but like i was mad at the world it even matter i couldn't stop and figure out what was going on um so for me seeing the halftime score where it was i was kind of relieved and then i did get the chance to watch maybe the last five minutes of the game and kind of see him- piece it out but and then got home and watched the whole thing and that was a much easier game to watch knowing the outcome right um but to me it was just i i'm not a big believer in like you know manifest destiny or whatever but it really was like the entire weight of that first of that whole year dealing with umbc was on that team as soon as as soon as uh, gardner Webb got hot I like think it's just – it's like this is the way it's got to be for this team to redeem themselves. And I don't know what the clicking point was there that got them going. Um, you know, it's clearly on the defensive end they kind of buttoned down. But good Lord that it, it was so relieving. And I think long-term it's probably a good thing. But short-term, man, I, I just – I couldn't deal with the – you know, there's a, there's a moment, and I'm sure you guys had the same feeling. There There's a moment where I started to have to contemplate how do I deal with this if it happens again.
2: Yeah, I mean, it kind of – one of the things for me, I'd say I kind of agree with the fact that being more, like, annoyed than, like, oh, wow, this is going to happen again. It was kind of like, this is just how it has to be, right? I mean, this is this is the way that it's got to play out. And, you know, unfortunately for UVA fans, they had to deal with the turmoil of that for, um, you know, 15, 20 minutes <laughs> of real time. Um, but, yeah, I mean, a part of it, I didn't think Gardner, what they were doing was sustainable, uh, and I don't remember exactly how I felt during the, I mean, the UMBC game was tied at halftime. So it was completely different. Um, and then you found yourself down 14 in the second half where it's, you just have way less time to come back. Um, and you know, you're missing one of your best players. This was more like, well, they're going to have to dig themselves out of another hole again. Like they just had to twice in the ACC tournament. Um, and, but granted against a team, that's probably going to be a little bit easier to come back on. Um, yeah, I mean, I thought that Gardner-Webb, they made a, a few tough threes, a few good looks. They they made a few, like, difficult shots or contested shots around the basket. And UVA had that stretch where they had five turnovers in a row. And I thought that was the the part that probably annoyed me the most was I was like, they can't play this way for 40 minutes. But, like, you're putting yourself in a tough spot already where, like, you know, best-case scenario, you're going to have to rally back and do what they ended up doing. Or you might find yourself in a tough game. Even if you do come back, you might end up just in a back-and-forth game with a team that, you've now opened the door for, uh, early in the game. But yeah, I mean, as far as the turning point, I thought that Kyle's three that I think made it a 13 point game or 11 point game or something. Um, that was a big shot because it was like, they finally got one. I think they got a stop in a bucket and it was like, they finally, all right, you know, some sense of normalcy coming out of that timeout. And once they got it to six, I thought Hays three at the end of the half was really big And uh, just going in with a manageable deficit, I felt pretty confident that they'd be able to win. But you know, nothing's
1: easy, right? Yeah. The funny thing is, the last three 16 games, the best score Virginia's had at the half was against UMBC. Uh, They they trailed trailed Coastal Carolina by six, and they trailed. (laughs) Well, they blew it off. off. Yeah, but well, that was that was the fourth one. Here. <laughs> Don't mess up my stat, Justin.
2: Yeah, sorry about that. But yeah, you're right. And I mean, if you look at the other ones, the only one that didn't struggle at some point in that game was Gonzaga. Gonzaga, um, yeah. The one Duke
1: everyone would have picked to lose.
2: Yeah, Duke was down like seven. I think Carolina was down seven or eight. So, I mean, it happens. But all three of those teams were able to kind of put it away.
0: For me, being in the building, I was – I mean, it had the same feel. Like, it, it absolutely – I mean – you had this smaller school. We had a bunch of fans, like, super fired up. Um, the place was was obviously full of fans of other teams, too. And, like, as I said on radio this week, like, there is nothing, there's no group of people that want anarchy more than college fast basketball fans in a situation like that. Like, they just want to watch everything burn, right? They are in the building. They just want to watch the number one team lose and that's exactly what happened you had all these other fan bases that were completely uninterested once the thing turned but man that beginning when it looked like it could happen again and I thought Jason Williford's point to me on that Cavs corner conversation from the weekend um, you know no team had ever lost no one seed had ever lost to a 16 right well by nature of that right no team had ever had to come back from it Right. No team had ever had to, I then go back in and play another 16 seed and be in that moment, be in that situation. And I thought Virginia handled it about as, you know, poorly, right, for a few minutes as you could. And then, you know, that flip of the switch. I, I think we've talked before on the show about how the Cavaliers are not very good lately at avoiding digging that hole. You know what I mean? Um, I think that they. Or playing with fire when they do that, but I also think too that some of it is just natural. Like they wait and see, sort of what the other team is going to do, and then they counter it. Um, you know, there have definitely been games this season where they have, um, um, where where they have taken it to their point, their opponent. Um, but they sort of need to do that um, a little bit more, I think.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's pretty common for most teams to, you know, every team has bad starts. You know, Duke has bad starts. Carolina has bad starts. It's just because of the way Virginia plays and the pace they do. Like it just seems like a bigger deal, right? Like not, they're not likely to to hit three threes in thirty seconds and you know spin it around. Um, and I think we're still all on edge. You know, it's so much expectation. And what's funny is, and I think I mentioned on the last podcast, like I mean, what we saw in the Oklahoma game is probably in the history of the NCAA tournament, there was no one seed as relaxed after beating their 16 opponent as Virginia was on Sunday. Um, and I thought you could see it in the way they played. And if it, if the way I felt going into that game or at the end of the Gardner web game, once I knew the result was any indication of how they felt, then it was a hundred percent true. Like, you know, normally I thought back to the, the coastal Carolina year when that game was close, like, you know, I was tense at the end of the game. It was like, Oh my God, we almost we were trailing 16. How are we ever going to make a run? Um, so in the grand scheme of things, it, it certainly was a weight off their shoulder. And, um, wait off mine as a fan like it's sunday like i expected virginia to win just because i didn't have any concerns over because the worst case scenario was gone
2: yeah and i honestly think you brought up a good point that i forgot to mention last week um between podcasts that you, you said that the 16s are better now um and they are if you really think about it the way the format works now where the bottom four 16s go to dayton automatically um And I mean, obviously, I know they've had this format now for like six or seven years, and I'm not trying to make an excuse, but you can kind of see it across the board. I mean, last year, people forget Kansas, I believe, was down in the second half to Penn in a 116, and UVA lost, and then Carolina and Duke got pushed in the first half, and UVA got pushed hard in the first half. So, I mean, I think these teams are just of a higher quality than the old 16s, and yeah, I mean... It's a, It's definitely you got to be like strapped in and ready to go against everybody. And like I tweeted after the game, like you can't you can't take any of these wins for granted anymore. And I don't think UVA fans will just because, you know, you understand like you can't you can't just expect to just walk in and beat anybody. And I think that, you know, brings us to this weekend's game as well. But I mean, we'll get there. But yeah, I'm just glad I didn't have to fight anybody in the sports book because I thought that the place was going to turn real quick. <laughs> but actually, I don't think I don't think anybody had any money on Gardner Webb because they just didn't. Nobody really bet it, so people weren't like freaking out like they were. And there were other games that were into the second half, so people were kind of freaking out. But I think a lot of people actually made money because at one point at the end of the first half, UVA was like a seven-point favorite if you bet the live odds, and a lot of people were jumping on that. Mm. Um, so. They ended up winning by – they ended up covering that by, like, 10 or whatever.
1: Yeah, Justin, I had texted you, like, joking around about putting putting money down on all the 16s on the money line. Right. Just, like, there was a point on, you know, Thursday and Friday where I was kicking myself – or Friday especially where the three struggled. Like, you know, there was a point where every one of those games was close. And I was like, man, you could have made some real bank. Yeah, I mean,
2: if you bet Gardner Webb to lead uh, to win the first half, you won. Like, if you put a hundred on that, I think it was like $800, 900 payout. Um, dang it. Yeah, right. <laughs> and even like at halftime, I was like, maybe I should just go bet Gardner Webb just in case, because I thought they'd come out of it. But I was like, just in case they screw this up. But I think it was only like plus six hundred or something. So I was just like, yeah, it's not really worth
0: it. That uh, that under his breath, dang it, was majestic, Dave. It was. Just, I loved. I, as somebody who doesn't play, who doesn't gamble. All right, and and you guys talk gambling a lot of times and I'm, I'm just like it's just like arcing way over my head you know um <laughs> but that like they hear that in your voice like you legitimately for a minute they were like uh you maybe next year when they play, if they play a 16 seed you can lay some money on them to be down to half because you know that's Wait, apparently you, well happens. you got to be there
1: to bet the half so i'm gonna have to get yeah to and like live and all that but yeah
0: dave even
2: texted me before the game and it was like Gardner webb what's the money line and it was uh 100 to win 2200 and so he was like, maybe you should just put a hundred down just in case. <laughs> I didn't end up doing that.
1: Um, no, which was good. Decided but... the juju was way too bad. Yeah, <laughs> but but the funny thing about being that.
2: in a, the funny thing about being in a sportsbook for something like that is the stuff that you would never even think matters is like really important to people, and you don't even know until it happens, and they freak out. Like uh, going to Sunday's game, uh, Manic had that layup at the buzzer um, uh-huh, to, the first or, half to put them down. They put them down nine, and the first half spread was ten. So that guy covered the first half spread on that.
0: And here I was thinking it was just bad that he ruined the Tony because I thought I thought how poetic would it be that Virginia would finally beat the 16 seed and then hold the team that scored 95 two nights ago to 20 in the first half. Yeah, and ended up being 20. Well, the 95 wondering.
2: I think was the bigger outlier. I was like, what the hell is going on right? in this game?
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, but Ole Miss just quit, man. Like they yeah. were just they were just and like what's funny about that and that'll kind of take us to to talk about Sunday. I, I look. Everything about that game between Oklahoma and Virginia felt like a random, what did you call it, Justin, a Tuesday game in January in the ACC. Yeah. Like, just one of those games where Virginia jumps out on the team, there's no chance that they're going to come back and win. They can basically keep them at arm's length, and everybody just sort of walks, you know, to their to their, to their their appropriate corner. You know what I mean? Like, everybody didn't, there was no, like, there was no feeling that at any point that, you know, they were going to storm back, you know, you just, it never, that was, a, it was so weird, it was a, it's the first time I've been in an NCAA tournament covering UVA, where I did just legitimately didn't think that the other team had any chance to win, whatsoever. Yeah,
2: I mean, even when UVA, UVA took that 7-0 lead, and then they went down, like, 13-9, I still was, like, they, they like, yeah, was playing better now, but I was, like, UVA's not doing anything wrong, really, like, they, they missed a couple of shots, but it was, and I think he had one, kind of, like, over-the-top, sort of, pass that he didn't need to make and it turned into a runout but um i mean at the end of the day it was kind of like they i don't think they, i just don't think they had the weapons to to make a comeback like they weren't going to be able to push UVA unless UVA just missed everything in the second half but yeah i mean it was kind of interesting after that Duke game that was in the same location that that game just had no drama whatsoever no after drama, probably no the use. most dramatic game of the whole tournament right absolutely so. Brad was sitting there stroking his beard, you know, on the replays. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was. What else am I supposed to do? Gotta like do I, slow-mo. I, I, yeah. Well, they showed the last the tip that UCF missed at the buzzer like 50 times, and then they just kept showing you like in slow motion. Like I could just see it in, in your mind like what's happening, what's happening, what's happening because it's happening in slow motion.
0: Well, it's funny um, too because like on the – first, I, I, I remember thinking as they came to the play – what i thought they were going to run which is not anything i don't know if they if they had other action and then duke took something away but like i just they just didn't...
2: ran like an iso play yeah. basically
0: for the dude i didn't expect to get an iso and then like I, I was i was not sure i wasn't even sure from my angle like who had the ball like which one of the dudes had it like which one of the uca endless so like i didn't know what the i mean like i was very i don't know i i, I until you said that i literally had no like it didn't even dawn on me that I might have been in that replay shot because that guy was—he yeah. was right across from me, in between the two tables on that other side of the court, the cameraman. So like I—I I did remember after you guys were telling me that I was on TV, I remember thinking like, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna be in that shot a lot." But it didn't even dawn on me that that would—that would be a play that would be replayed over and over, and that that was probably right there in it several right. million yeah. times.
1: Imagine the history you missed, Brad. If if that ball had gone in like every NCAA tournament we'd see Brad Franklin's face in the background. Well, but it's
0: still going to get replayed over and over for the rest of the tournament. And yeah, now I'm no thinking one, to myself no like how cares. many times <laughs> but like how many times in those 24 hours after that did that clip get played? Dude, millions of people around the world saw me. <laughs> right? Like that's one of those things that sometimes it like it, like I remember when I went to, when I went, when I, went, when, I went, when I actually covered the game in, in 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 Durham before I was um like uh ripped from Cameron Indoor forever. Um, but like, I remember thinking like, oh man, this is kind of cool because like, look, look, look. Let's be real. Players they understand how this works, right? They get used to it. They get they're on TV, right? But the rest of us normal people, we we're not on TV all the time, you know. Maybe if you're in broadcasting and you're you know, uh, you're you're in front of a camera, but I mean, we're not we're not there, you know. We're I guess we're used to people listening to our voices, which is just not the same thing. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, that was uh, I man, I until Ferber said that I did not that did not even dawn on me that I was that was right there. I didn't yeah. like do anything dumb, right? I didn't like. I didn't even think to myself yeah. like Make sure you don't like pull a well, Beheim and pick your nose that, or anything.
2: Well, what I was thinking when I was watching it was I was like, he's gonna he's gonna have some kind of reaction to this. Like, oh, you, so was you like, were expecting, yeah, you like jump out of your seat or you, something. You, you watch enough games it. with me, <laughs> well, yeah, but it didn't go in. So it was like, you know, it was just that's what happened. But yeah. That was yeah, a tough yeah. one, but UVA. I was glad that they were. I mean, I'm sure UVA fans, especially, were glad that they could just kind of remove the drama from their game.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Before we move on to Oklahoma a little more, um, that Dawkins kid. That's got to right? be the best performance of the tournament so far, right? Like, that he, was amazing. Yeah,
0: he did some like, stuff in that game. Like, I've seen Kyle Guy hit threes when he was looking at the floor before. Right yeah. before. Dawkins did a lot of that. Like, some of those shots he was he was hitting. There's this one when they were in the second half that. I, I still have no idea how he made it. Um, yeah. No clue. I mean,
2: honestly, yeah, that, and then I would say, like, just if you want to hit the tournament at large, like, John ja Morant. Yeah. two really good games. Um, yeah. Poor you Jack. know, obviously kind of tough to see them lose, but they just ran into, like, Florida, you know, they're not going to out-athlete Florida State. So, I mean, you you kind of just, the midnight strikes, you know, when you play against a team like that. But, yeah, uh, yeah, I thought Dawkins was awesome. And the Taco Fall thing was kind of, like, hilarious, how easily he was able to dunk.
1: Like it just He yes. it, it, it started like laughing reached. at the time. was Chase Matheny, man. So he was. Yeah, it was.
0: <laughs> um. So Oklahoma, to me, like I said, was just really a game of 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 just one team that was way better, and and I don't know, we want to say better prepared or whatever, but just one team that was there and one team that just wasn't. The thing that really made me laugh, though, was the manic kid. At some point, when when they got down, he was like, "All right, that's cool. I'm just gonna jack a bunch of shots." Like every time he touched it, he shot it. Like there was no yeah. hesitation. There was no even th- that dude didn't even like he didn't understand the concept of passing, and I was he like, I mean,
2: he scored like all their points in the first half. Yeah, and
0: he, but like, he. What's funny is that he went zero for four in the second half, and that was it. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't know if that's because they just stopped giving it to him because they knew it was never coming back, or it, I don't know what changed for him. I don't know if somebody got into him and in how uh, they time, put
1: but, Dre on him to start the second half. That was going to be my next question, so I like,
0: <laughs> because I didn't, I didn't watch, I didn't rewatch most of the game. I rewatched the the highlight clip, the 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 condensed one. Yeah. And the thing that stood out to me was like, yo, UVA ran offense that wasn't that had not even gotten to the place yet where you could tell okay, this is this is the shot they designed to have because Oklahoma was just not interested in playing defense. And there were just wide open shots. I mean, dudes are still running action that is supposed to be producing stuff and other, and then other guys are like, "Oh, wait, I guess I should just take this layup." It was it was really ridiculous how easy Virginia yeah. was getting to the getting to the to the rim and and I mean they were making a work on on offense don't get me wrong but man they were that was not a banner day for Oklahoma's defense that's for sure. Yeah, I just I felt like
2: um honestly and I was going to bring this up if we did more big picture stuff but I don't think the UVA is really playing their best basketball right now as far as I mean, I think they play well against Oklahoma, but it wasn't like everything was clicking like, you know, maybe like the Virginia Tech game earlier this year. Right. Yeah, because I felt like they did a lot of good things in the game, but it was like they couldn't they weren't making the shots. Um, Obviously, Kyle going over 10. Um, Yeah, I mean, I just felt like they could have won that game by like 25 points. Uh, So, I mean, I'm interested to see if they can kind of like start knocking those down
1: because they were getting the looks. Yeah, you know they came out seven nothing, um, and then I think Oklahoma went back up like thirteen to nine or thirteen to seven or something, a uh, mm-hmm. little run of their own. But you think about it, like that seven point lead Virginia had when Oklahoma had to call a timeout, that was pretty much you know the game stayed around ten to thirteen for most of the game after that, after the response and then the response. But um, Oklahoma, like, I don't want to say they were disinterested, but I, I just think they they reached a point when they realized look, we're going to have to hit a bunch of threes and we can't do it. So they just, they hit a few here and there that they got it close. Um, but every time they got a little momentum going, um, I thought there, the two big things in that game, one of them obvious was the seven, nothing start, like getting out to that big lead, um, getting out to that big lead after coming off the 16 drama It's just, I think it relaxed everyone um, and then respond, you know, res- but, the, the play you guys may think I'm off my rocker, but um, number three for Oklahoma, uh, shoot, for forgetting his name, the one that had the cut above his eye, kid, uh, Miles
0: kid. Reynolds or whatever, Reynolds, the yeah. kid who got who got screened
1: into oblivion. Yeah, I, I literally think that screen is when Virginia said, "Yeah," and that's when Oklahoma realized these guys mean business because every time that kid made a play, he was clapping in Kihei's face, clapping in Kyle's face, and that's why Jack laid him out. Yeah. You can try to convince me otherwise. It was not. He had nothing to do with it. But that dude was clapping in his face, and Jack came and set that screen hard. And boy, he didn't clap, He didn't clap the rest of the game. <laughs> and yeah. I think that was just an attitude setter. Like you guys aren't. You might think we're soft because we're Virginia, but we're not. And I think from that point forward, it was over. Yeah, I mean, I didn't think that. I don't. I don't know if
2: they were disinterested, but I think UVA kind of took them out of the game when they didn't let them keep that lead um you know it went away really fast once I think it was like 13-9 and then Mamadi had an one and then I think before you knew it it was like 20 to 13 UVA or something and it was like all right well we're gonna it's gonna be tough to sustain this you know but the way the rest of the way but yeah I thought that the hot star was good I thought Ty I thought they just all were guarding really hard early in the game and Mamadi was really working on the glass and I guess we can talk about him a little bit more but he, he's been awesome so far in the tournament. And I, thought, I think part of it is just he's just engaged. Um, not saying that he's not other times, but you can tell sometimes guys will go to a different level in the tournament, and I think he's one of those guys this year at least.
0: Yeah, I think I would agree with that. I think that's actually the place where I was going to take conversation next. Momdy and the role player. So, like, one thing that really stood out to me is that we saw Virginia be basically a top, what do we think? Where, where would you rank Oklahoma nationally? Top?
1: 50,
0: 60. All right. Yeah. So, so talk- I mean, I will get to Oregon. I don't think they're as good as Oregon. Yeah. So a top, so let's say a top 55 team. Let's, let's split the difference. A top 55 team where the big three, I don't want to say they didn't show up because they did, they play, and they, they, there were other aspects, but in terms of scoring, I mean, it was basically the role guys, you know, Momdi was just crushing, right? Kihei Clark, I thought played another, had another really nice game. Um, you know, Braxton Keek apparently decided he's going to make some layups. Um, I thought his activity i i i I also thought Virginia was attacking the offensive glass in this game, which is the first time I can really remember them making a concerted effort to go to the glass on that end of the floor um I think that's worth you know pointing out is that you know f- to ferber's point about you know yeah, they're not playing their best um you know their best basketball right now as a team, but if you think about what 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 happens when these if the role players and they've been consistent, you know they've done this. You know fairly consistently they keep They keep doing that and the and the big Three come around then you're peaking at the right Time It it certainly kind of To me what it does is it underscores Just how how much is left in The tank that Virginia hasn't tapped into yet does that make Sense
1: Yeah and I think the other thing that um, Kind of and I can't remember if I brought this up last time so forgive Me but you know there's A lot of talk on the message boards and on Social media about You know Tony's stubbornness and stick to his ways. You know if it ends up costing him a game, then blah blah blah. Whatever, whatever that means for his future UVA, we see it all the time. But the fact that I don't see like, think about how different he's been this tournament. Um, I mean, against Oklahoma, we virtually ran no blocker mover the whole game. He started Momadi. like Jay got legitimate minutes in the first half. He didn't come back in the second. So Tony's changed a lot versus Tony the last couple of years. Um, and I think it's it's helped the team now, whether whether that's because they increased confidence or was the right thing to do long-term. I don't think it matters because you are where you are and you <laughs> you won what you got to win, right? Um, but Mamadi is playing the best basketball I've ever seen him play. And I, I think, obviously, we've talked before that like I just think Momedy's is a little better as a starter because he gets so worked up before a game and when he can bring that energy right to the court, he, he doesn't, like he hasn't knock on wood, gotten into foul trouble early and then I think not running the block remover allows Mamadi to kind of have a little more freedom on offense and when he touches the ball and does something good on the offensive end he brings up his defensive energy and becomes an even big, bigger weapon, so to me, he was the MVP of the weekend. Um, I would agree with know, that. I don't want to poop on Dre because he had a good weekend too, but Momedy playing at that level makes Virginia a whole different a whole different animal. Um, and it can make you start thinking about three dudes leaving for the NBA, but whatever.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I thought that 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 pick and roll that they ran in the second half where 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 Kyle drops the I mean it was a, it was like the perfect um dribble, wait the extra beat to to let the guy step one take one more step in the wrong direction and then bounce pass between the defenders, you know, ping and then you're you know what I mean? Like it was It was perfection. And for a team that until this year, I mean, look, how much ball screen stuff had Virginia run before this year? How much pick and roll? You know what I mean? Like, that was not who they were. And for them to have really developed an extra, like an entire portion of the offense that just wasn't there a year ago, I mean, that's kind of a big deal, right? And I feel like I get where a lot of people come from, like, you know, they think this guy plays too many minutes and I think they, they you know, or this guy doesn't play enough minutes and they want to make changes in the lineup. Okay, that's normal fan stuff, right? But I think sometimes Virginia fans have a tendency to, to like, when that game was clearly, Virginia was going to win this game and people are still picking so many nits, you know, and you're like, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying, like, is this necessarily the time to be all up in arms? And, I, I mean, it's something I saw on the message board. It's something I saw, like, on, you know, Twitter and stuff. Like, on some level... The point is to win the game, yeah, they, you want him to play well, right? But ultimately, like, I, I just felt like there was, a, there, was a, there, was a, there was something off about the time and place for people to be so upset about what this was and that was. The, the major takeaway for me was that Mamadi was balling. And if you can keep him, you know, whether it's engaged, whether it's, you know, you're just letting him play through mistakes, however, whatever you, whatever's working – is working for real And they need to keep that up I think that was the thing I took away From the weekend Is that when the big three are, are cooking Virginia's really good But man, what happens if there's Three of them and Mamadi And I understand like on a team That doesn't have a lot of possessions That that might be hard to do But still, I mean, I think on both ends of the floor Man, he's really in a, in a groove right now
2: Yeah, I mean, if you think about UVA's most dominant performances of the season They've all involved those guys getting it going I mean, it, three guys can't do all the work uh, they can help you a lot, but but you're gonna need some other guys to step up. And you know, Momadi's had big games. I think it was Notre Dame. He had a pretty big game. Jay has come off the bench and done good things, and obviously has grown a lot as a player on both ends of the floor. Kihei, you know, he's not the most consistent scorer in the world, but he gave them a lift uh, this weekend, especially against Gardner Webb. He made a couple of big plays. So you know, if they can give you that, and then all the stuff that they do on the defensive end that's when this team can really be cooking and, and Braxton as well. I don't want to forget him because he definitely had an impact and finished around the rim, which was nice
1: to see. Cause he's struggled with that at times. Right. Um, yeah, Kihei, Kihei was really good. I mean, he shot 40%. He only took five threes, but he hit 40% of them. Um, he got, he didn't make as many bad decisions as we've seen him, him make. He's getting a little better at guarding the, guarding the uh, shot blocker from his layup. You know, getting himself in position where he's got to get fouled or he's going to get the shot off, and I think that just comes with experience. Now, there's going to be teams, and we may be taking, talking about one here in a minute, where his size is a as a detriment. But against teams like Gardner Webb, you know, the small guys, um, he's a he's a piece that you know we had a little bit of that in Nigel last year. But I think he, I think we can all agree, Kihei is a better on the ball defender than Nigel was. Um, so it's just a different wrinkle and. When you are able to pair him with uh, Mamadi at the five, or, or whatever, I, yeah, I think it changes the dynamic. You you don't have three dudes on the starting lineup who poor scores and and two guys you can sink off of, um, and there was something else profound I was going to say and I'm drawing a <laughs> blank on it right now, uh, but anyway, it'll come to me.
0: Um, well, let's 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 talk Oregon. Um, interesting matchup for the Cavaliers in this one. Um, Peyton Pritchard, a former Virginia. Um, Recruiting target at point guard which I'll Get to in a minute and why I think that that's Somewhat substantial uh, What I don't Who 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 knows the line at least As of now what's the line on this game right now I,
2: Last I saw it was Eight and a half it started it opened at yeah, seven Or something half. yeah
0: yeah. Um, Biggest
1: spread of the weekend
0: that feels Like a lot of points Does it feel like a lot of points to anybody else but me
2: I think it's about right um, I mean if you kind of look at How they set these things and what UVA, UVA leads the country in uh, scoring margin, I believe. Uh, so that helps. And, um, Oregon, I mean, we can get into them. The best team they've played since they've gone on this really hot streak that they've been on is probably Wisconsin, unless you like Washington a whole lot, um, or Arizona state. But yeah, I mean, it, w- Wisconsin had as somebody that had money on them. Uh, I can tell you that they missed a lot of shots in the second half. Uh, they just they didn't play well, um, and part of the, Oregon deserves a lot of credit for that. They're a really good team when it comes to guarding the three, but yeah, I mean I think that as far as gambling is concerned, I think Vegas would probably want to make UVA a decent favorite just because Oregon is seated where they are, and people are just going to think that UVA is going to roll them by just looking at that. and And I don't think that that's necessarily the case, but I, I think it's I think it's in a good spot
0: in terms of the way that the thing lines up X's and O's wise, um, how are we feeling about Virginia's chances here and, and try to take your superstition and, and all that, you know, that sort of stuff out of it. And from a strictly a basketball standpoint, how do you feel about UVA's chances in this game? Cause I mean, I personally, I feel uh, pretty I good th- about it, but I don't, I'm curious what you guys think.
1: Yeah, look, they're a good team. They're playing good basketball right now. You know, by definition, anyone who made the sweet 16 has had a couple of good days. Right. Um, But I I really, and this is no slight to Oregon, who I think is a very good team of the other 14 teams in the sweet 16. I don't think there's anyone I'd rather play. Yeah. Um, Well, there's no doubt about that. Yeah. I don't, I don't think there's anybody else. So like, so you got to take what's, what's coming. Like they're, they're a good team. You're going to beat good teams from this point forward. You're not going to roll into a, a, you know, a a team that isn't good. Um, You know, taking the superstition out, you know, they're super athletic. They, you know, Pritchard can shoot the ball. Wooten is, you know, a a plus plus athlete. Probably, a, I don't know where he's. I assume he's probably going pro this year. Um, then they got Lewis King, who can shoot the ball. So, and you know, even though you think Oregon, you think fast. They're, they're a defensive team and they're, they're long. I I don't know that they're like anyone in particular in the in the ACC. Just um, a little Florida State, but Pritchard's smaller than some of the Florida State guys. So I don't I don't know who a good Justin might have a better answer than me, but I don't have a, yeah, well, Clemson, yeah, they're about Clemson on, and Kempom too, yeah, Clemson might make sense, and then, yeah, because Clemson usually has a lot of guys
2: with length that can shoot the ball, I mean, I would say Florida State's probably the best count, they're just not as deep or as good, Um, yeah, but yeah, maybe Louisville, Louisville to Clemson, somewhere in there, Um, I mean, if they, if Bull Bull had played the whole season, they're probably like a four seed, (laughs) like, yeah, I mean, they started the
1: season, 21 and nine, but when he got hurt, like, that's crazy, yeah, I mean, they lost some bad games, too. They lost, what, like, Texas Southern or something, and then yeah. blew a big game to UCLA. They lost a buttload of games straight. They, they played some good teams
2: in the non-conference. I mean, they beat Syracuse. They lost to Iowa, Houston, Baylor. I mean, yeah. they lost to some good teams. But, you know, they had this stretch early in Pac-12 play where they were just really struggling. I mean, they were 0-2, and then they were 2-4, and and then they were 6-8. and um, And then they just – the light came on, I guess, and they've won 10 in a row.
1: Yeah, I mean they lost a, a really big piece, and I'm sure kind of threw everything into to, to a jolt. But you know they they're they're a team with size and talent and athleticism, and you know at this point they're playing with house money. So you know we've seen high digit seeds go on further than the Sweet 16 the last several NCAA journeys. So I don't think Virginia is going to sleep on these guys. Um, the nice thing is they're a 12 seed or whatever they are. 12 12 right. Yeah, 12 seed named Oregon, not a 12 seed like Loyola UC Chicago Irvine. or someone that would loyal whose name alone would kind of lead you to believe they're not very good. I mean, Oregon was in the Final 4 2 years ago. Yeah.
2: Or like UC Irvine if they had won, right? I mean, you could I think a lot of UVA fans would just be like, "Well, that's a win," you know. Um, yeah. but I don't think anybody's going to do that with Oregon. And like you said, I mean, they're playing with house money, but they're also going to be really confident uh, they've seen the ball go in the basket a lot, especially last weekend. And, you know, they, they have good players. Like they know that they can play with UVA. They play in a power conference, even though it was down this year. Uh, those guys all played, you know, big time AAU basketball, Oregon recruits really well. Uh, there might be some questions about how they're doing that. Um, especially
0: recently. (laughs) Yeah. I was getting ready to say like (laughs) in the last what two days, Right. So there's been a lot of, you know, yeah. stuff about Bowl Bowl and Nike. And I mean, and by, the to, like by the time we get by the time we get to Louisville, this could be a thing. That's all I'm saying.
2: Yeah. I don't know if that's going to affect them or not. But yeah, like you said, I mean, and and they're they're just playing good basketball right now. They made 13 of their 25 three pointers against UC Irvine, who is a, a good team. Um, and, you know, they, they were they weren't shooting the ball that great. But on this run they've had, they're making better than 40 percent of their threes better than 50 over their last two uh, tournament games so yeah i mean they're playing good basketball the, the thing they do well on defense they play a lot of matchup zone and like press and stuff like that um they defend the three really really well uh they only allow opponents to shoot 29.1 percent from three and really quickly while wow, I look this up uva is just better than them at 27.8 so they're both top 10 in the country um like Dave said they're really long I think Wooten had like seven blocks or something crazy the other day um and uh yeah I mean they're they're gonna be a challenge I I don't know how they're gonna do against UVA's offense just because I've seen a lot of people saying like how are they gonna deal how's UVA gonna deal with these bigger guys you know guarding the smaller shooters and I don't know if they're gonna be able to keep up with them off the screens just because they're big guys but we're gonna we're gonna find out
0: I think the thing that that leads me to be somewhat confident about Virginia winning this game, despite some of the things we're we're, we're kind of talking about here, is I think I, I I was surprised at how deliberate Florida State could be um, in the ACC tournament, and and that's a team. I mean, would you? All right, let me back up a step. Would you guys draw comparisons between Florida State and Oregon
1: to yeah, some degree, just saying. because of length? Right. Um, yeah. Florida State's bigger and deeper,
0: though. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Florida State's bigger and deeper. I just feel like – I just don't know if Oregon can be deliberate enough. I, I, that was the thing that surprised me about the Noles in Charlotte was that they were more than happy to not jack up shots, to work for the better shots and get what they wanted. Now, I think Virginia has a tendency uh, at times to break teams um, who aren't deliberate by nature, right? But teams that have that in them, I, I, as I said on the show, whatever, I don't know, all my days are running together. But whenever it was I said that thing about how sometimes I think when teams play slower, they find that they actually can play that way, and it actually helps them because it takes out the chance for them to to, to just jack up a bunch of shots they don't need to take. I, I don't know if Oregon's ready for that. That being said, I think the fact that Peyton Pritchard is a former Tony Bennett recruit means something to me. Now, the reason I think that is because I think in order for for Tony to want to play for you to be his point guard, like there's a there's a thing that you have to have, and typically it's feel, right? What's he always talk about when he talks about Ty Jerome and when Ty was going to be the heir apparent to London and, you know, it's a feel of the game, feel of the game. And that's one of the things he talks about with Kihei, right? He likes his feel for the game. I think Peyton has some of that in him, and I'm curious what it looks like when that team goes up against UVA, if that's, you know what I'm saying? like, I, I And I know I could be making a connection here that um, is not necessarily found in evidence, right? So, like, it might not end up being a thing at all. I, I just could not... Um, the more I thought about this game, the more I just keep thinking that, like, it will not surprise me if Oregon can handle it a little bit better, partly because maybe Pritchard is, it does have a good feel, and that's something that other guys can sort of feed off of as they uh, go forward. What, what are you expecting yeah. from this game, Dave?
1: Yeah, I, mean, I think Oregon's got three things going for them. Um, yeah, I'm a, number one, you know, they're playing with house money. Number two, they just spent last week at this time preparing to play Wisconsin, who defensively is, plays very similar to Virginia and offensively is willing to grind you down. So they've they've played it. They had success against it, and that's going to give them confidence. And number three, they're going to be a West Coast team tipping at 10 p.m. on Thursday night versus. Now they've got to get up and do all the media stuff this week, but they're not going to feel as unusual as we are playing at 10. So whether that makes a hill of beans, I don't know, but it's, it's something they've got going for them. Um, But I I, I am a little, like, there's a couple stats I read about Oregon, about, you know, obviously Justin brought up their, you know, they're really good defending the three. But also teams shoot, like, a lot more threes against them than they shoot against other teams because they settle, I guess. Um, So it's going to be interesting. Virginia's got to play true to themselves. I think it's going to be, you know, I think it's going to be a good game. I'm I'm pretty confident that Virginia can pull it off. I, I don't know that I'd give eight and a half points if I were betting this one I think um I think it's going to be a little bit tighter than that but I expect Virginia to beat them but I think you know if you think because they're a 12 seed it's not going to be a game and I don't think there's a single Virginia fan in the world who think this won't be a game um you'd be a little foolish so it should be fun might be some moments of trepidation but it's going to be a hopefully a happy Friday morning, even though I'll be exhausted. Yeah, seriously,
2: (laughs) one of the first things I thought of when when this game got scheduled was, man, I really hope they win, because Friday's slate of games is awesome, and if they lose, I'm going to be so bitter, I won't even want to watch it. (laughs) So it's like, um, I don't know. I, I think that I'm more concerned about them than Oklahoma. I never really worried about that game. I was like, if you lose to Oklahoma, it means you played really bad, or they played out of their mind, and I don't think that's necessarily the case with Oregon. Um, I think that they can they can play with UVA to an extent. I think they're going to be really confident, like I said. They play really slow, um, 328th in tempo, 322nd in average possession length. So I think that they'll be okay playing a game like that. And honestly, against UVA, I think that's your best chance is just to grind it down and hope that you can win the per-possession battles and win a game that's 59-56 or 62-59, you know? Um, I don't think that there's going to be a ton of possessions in this game, but I think if you can get a lead in the first half, uh, I don't know if Oregon has really had to deal with that a lot during this run. They've had a lot of comfortable wins, which is, I mean, that's not a bad thing at all, but, I mean, you look at how they got off. I mean, UC Irvine came back in the second half, but Oregon was controlling that game early. Wisconsin, they got ahead, and, and Wisconsin just couldn't make enough shots to get back in it. And then, you know, they had one close game in their conference tournament, and the other ones, they won by 33 eight or 12, uh, one in overtime and then by 20 in the final. So I think that if UVA can make them try to come back, I don't know. They're going to be pressing from three and it's going to come down to how many of those they make. If they play at the level that they've been playing at over the last two weeks or so, uh, then they can win. I don't think I would pick it, but they can definitely do it. I mean, if they're shooting the ball 40% from three and they're holding teams down, like they have been from three and UVA, you know, as good as they've been, they've they've been a little streaky from three in the second half of the season against good teams. And, you know, if you come in and and knock one, you know, have one of those rough days, Kyle has another rough day from three, you never know. But I I think that this team will come in focused and ready to go. And I think that they'll handle their business, but I think it's going to be a grind. I think it's going to be a low scoring, tough game. That'll come down to probably the last 12 minutes or so and still be in question. And I think you'd be able to pull one out, but it's going to be tough. Um, Another random fact that I'll have in the preview, uh, Kyle Guy missed 10 threes the other day, and he's never made a three at the Yum Center.
0: Wow. 0
2: for 8 career in three games.
0: Well, it sounds like he's uh, due to make one or seven. Yeah, Yeah. regression to the mean. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, let's let's do this. Let's let's uh, let's talk a little bit about since we won't have a podcast between now and the end, whether Virginia wins or loses. We, we won't have a podcast until before the lead eight. Let's just talk about Tennessee and, um, and and Purdue. What are our expectations for that game and who do we think comes out? I, I personally I, I think it's going to be uh, Tennessee. I, I just feel like they're the more physical team, but I don't necessarily know that they're the better team. And that sounds like a problem when you're trying to pick a game. But for some reason, I can't look past it. What do you guys think?
2: I, normally, I would agree. Uh, I think Tennessee's probably the better team. But just going on the momentum of the tournament, I'm going to go with Purdue. Purdue's one of the teams that, if you look at the 16 teams left, not a, not many of them have kind of gone unscathed through the first two games. I mean, Duke got pushed. North Carolina got pushed a little bit by Iona. Um, they're probably one of the cleaner ones. Kentucky, I mean, easily could have lost to Wafford if they make a three at some point. Um so I mean, I think that Purdue, Purdue is playing better basketball than almost anybody in the tournament right now. Um, they blew out ODU and they just eviscerated Villanova. They have a tendency to make a lot of threes. Carson Edwards is gonna be, you know, one of the best players on the court, along with Grant Williams and Schofield and I think it'll be a really, really good, entertaining game that'll probably push UVA's tip back even further because it'll be a high-scoring, fun game that takes a long time to settle. But I I wasn't super impressed with Tennessee's second half against Iowa. I mean, they blew a huge lead. They had complete control of that game. Uh, So I don't know if if maybe that kind of helps them or hurts them, but... I was a little concerned seeing that they just kind of look like they lost their way. And that definitely happened to them at times down the stretch this season when they started playing better teams, you know, they they lost that game at LSU. They got blown out in the sec championship game. So I'm going to go with Purdue actually in a really close game, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised either way. I think it's pretty much a toss up.
0: What do you think
1: Dave? Yeah. I mean, uh, I don't know. Tennessee is a one and a half point favorite, which seems a little light to me, which makes me think, People, a lot of money is on Purdue, which
2: well, Purdue is the favorite in Ken Palm,
1: yeah. I mean, so 52%. it's 2%. So, I don't know. I, I, from a from a how they're playing right now perspective, I agree with Justin, like it'd be hard to pick against Purdue. Um, but you know, I'm gonna play the destiny card and say we're just meant to <laughs> play Tennessee to get to the final four. Um, if Michigan State can't be right there, we'll have to see it face them in the finals, I guess. Um it's just, just meant to be. It's the full circle thing, right, Justin? Um... <laughs> yeah,
2: it must be something like that. <laughs>
1: yeah. It's going to be uh, an
2: interesting dynamic in that building, too. I guess Brad will have to tell us how it is. But Purdue is like three hours away or less. Yeah. And then uh, Tennessee you know, is one state away. UVA is one state away.
0: Great. Um, so, it'll be, have to, so you're telling me now I have to go to this other game too?
1: Which means, of course, it'll be like one-third Oregon fans.
0: Just, <laughs> yeah, somehow. Like, Phil, Knight's yeah, fly Phil Knight buys half yeah, the I was going to say, that Nike money. Um, yeah, so he's no, but I, the I, think, I, think there'll
2: be, I think there's going to be a lot of Purdue fans there and a lot of Tennessee fans. Um, yeah. And I think whoever wins, if UVA is fortunate enough to win themselves and play them, I think it'll be a de facto – I'm not saying there won't be any UVA fans there, but I think they'll be in the minority.
1: I think from a matchup perspective, I'd rather Tennessee win. I mean, I'd rather Tennessee lose, and I'd rather play Purdue than Tennessee. From I think I'd
2: rather play Purdue because I think that UVA could do some stuff to draw their big. They have a lot of big guys, and I think didn't Tech beat Purdue? Tech, they they did, I believe. Yeah, because they lost to Penn State and they beat Purdue. Purdue played a team. ton of good teams this season. They yeah. played, like, LSU, a bunch of teams. But, yeah, I mean, I think that uh, they have a bunch of big guys, and I think UVA could kind of draw them away from the basket. I think that would be a good Jay Huff game, um, for like, matchup-wise. And I just trust UVA's ability to shut down a guy that, like Edwards, that has the tendency to go off. Uh, they haven't had a lot of guys go off on them this year, to be quite honest with you, outside of the Duke guys. So I think that... He's not the biggest guy. So I think if they could challenge his shot a little better than Duke's bigger guys that were shooting over them, um, I think that UVA, they, they match up better. Whereas like Tennessee, they're just loaded across the board with Schofield and Williams and a good backcourt. I think that would be a really tough game for both teams. I think that would be both. I think both matchups would be fun, but UVA Tennessee would be really fun.
0: Good deal. Well, I think that's a good place to, to put a pin in it this week. I want to thank everybody out there for continuing to support the show if you are someone who found the podcast through the website, thank you very much for giving us a listen. If you don't mind, look us up, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, wherever it is that you get your shows. Give us a rating review. It always helps to get us out in front of more people. If you're somebody who found the pod but hasn't given us a look at the site, check us out, CavsCorner.com. Right now you can check out our uh, video from the first practice of spring ball. <laughs> we, we just had a whole podcast about basketball. and you know, Oh yeah, by the way, spring ball is a thing that happened. Uh, It was so funny to me to be down in Columbia and have these people ask me, like, who I cover and to tell them Virginia. And they be like, man, can't believe how much they spanked USC when they were down here. Um, But that's a, you know, uh, spring practice is a thing that happened, um, I know, because I was there somehow. Um, But anyway, talk talked to Charles Snowden for a little while to talk about. Um, his offseason and what he expects from this group of linebackers And, and sort of what, what were his goals And what, what does he think of, of that group As they try to replace, obviously, Chris Peace and, and Malcolm Cook um, I've also got a breakdown of our takeaways from the first practice so you can check that out from yesterday afternoon As you listen to this um, We also got a chance to talk to Bronco Minute Monday um, So I put that in the uh, podcast feed So you can check it out Probably the same place you got this show Uh, Coming up later today, as you listen to it, I'll have a video up of Brendan Armstrong talking about his redshirt year and how important it was for him to get the experience that he got from that. Um, And then, of course, Ferber will have your Sweet 16 preview tomorrow morning, I guess, uh, as you listen to this in the future slash past or whatever. Uh, Again, I want to thank everybody out there for continuing to support the show. I want to thank Dave and Ferber for giving graciously of their time. As always, I very much appreciate it. So for David Spence and Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.